Well, it's good to be back with you this morning. I want to let you know uh, next week we're going to be out of town, so uh, we're not going uh, um, away, but for the weekend, so we'll be away for the weekend. Um, we have a, uh, a, a new uh, addition uh, to the family. Uh, Daniel's getting a puppy. So uh, we're going off to Indiana uh, to get the dog. So uh, <laughs> uh, he is very excited about that. But uh, that's, that's what will be going on next week. But um, Nolan Murphy, Nolan over here, uh, will be preaching the word next week. And so uh, appreciate, appreciate Nolan so much. Uh, I don't know, some of you may not have had a chance to get to Nolan, know Nolan yet. But uh, Nolan, uh, Nolan works over at Meineke and does um like everything um i mean he doesn't work on the cars usually right no not on the cars he works on the buildings and everything else with the buildings uh from here to charlottesville and so uh, appreciate so much nolan uh went to virginia beach theological seminary over in virginia beach obviously but uh finished up there a few years ago um he uh teaches um our kids Sunday school class now along with Maggie and uh, the two of them uh, do that together and uh, just such a blessing so uh, make sure you're here next week support Nolan encourage them and uh, I know that'll be a blessing but, uh, we'll be in Psalm 98 this morning Psalm 98 if you'd uh, like to turn there we've been going through uh, the series Jesus and Psalms uh, together and uh, Psalm 98 um, is a is a psalm that starts out um, with uh, instruction on singing out to the Lord, and so uh, that's fitting, especially uh, the way you were singing out this morning, which was a blessing. Um, but uh, Psalm 98. So I'm going to go ahead and um, I'll read this psalm aloud. You can follow along in your Bibles. Um, psalm 98, a psalm, simple title there. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with the trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods, let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world, and the people with equity. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you for this psalm before us today. Uh, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our songs. And so, Father, we, we pray that we would be overwhelmed with who you are, what you've done. Lord, that we would have joyful hearts seeking to lift up praises to your name. Father, we pray that we would once, a bit, once again be renewed in our minds by the power of your word to, to the reality of, of who you are and your instruction, what you delight in. Uh, but Father, also as we think of the promises of what is yet to come, 
Father, help us to uh, just be overflowing with joy because of who our God is and what you're about to do. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this instruction. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 98. We are uh, in this this morning. This is... um, Psalm that you'll actually see parallels with this in a few different places in Scripture, Psalm 96 being one, uh, the most closely related. Um, Psalm 98 is a little bit uh, shorter than Psalm 96 and a little more streamlined there. But um, you also see some places in Isaiah that are quoted in the psalm and, and things that come through in, in the language. Um, but as we, as we look at this psalm together, uh, it's um, very, very simple, right? It's nine verses, very simple psalm. And... Uh, you, you probably, you may see that in your Bible. They may have it divided for you, and if not, it's, it's just uh, three simple parts, right? Three verses each, and it, it just uh, breaks up very naturally that way. And so we're, we're going to look at this together uh, as we go through these reasons why God is, is worthy or, or should have us actually sing out um, these, this new song. And... Um, the, the first section of this points out that we sing because of what God has done. It, it is looking back to, to what he has already done previously. And, um, and, and with that, let me just mention um, the time frame of this. Some people place this psalm after the Babylonian exile as, as, as uh, those are being brought back to the land. And so God given victory at that point. Others dated a little bit earlier. Um, and really, it doesn't tell us within the psalm itself where, uh, where exactly it falls in regard to history. But one thing we do know is that God has provided victory, right? God has provided victory to Israel in this psalm. And, and so with that idea, and, and I think we see this a lot of times in the psalms, you, you have a concept or an idea, and it becomes something that the people of Israel would sing, Remember, Psalms is their hymn book of the Old Testament, so to speak. And so they would sing these things out. And, and so God granting a victory in one area can then remind us of, of not just how he did it then, but how he has granted victory in other areas as well. And um, I, I don't know if you, if you see that type of thing going on within hymns today. Have you ever experienced something in your life that called to mind a particular hymn. Uh, you know, as, as, we, as we think about uh, just the circumstances of life, do, does, does music ever pop into your head when you see God working? Um, I, I think for, for many of us it does. And so one of the great things about this particular psalm is that when it comes to victory, when it comes to God granting victory, it, it's one that is likely to, to pop into your head during that time. Verse 1 begins, as we see up there, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. I want to take just a moment to, to, uh, to, to, to describe that. As we, as we think about what, what is a new song, and I, I know this, this is one that um, has um, somehow um, become complicated um, it's really not that complicated. It's um, a new song. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And, um, and, and so when we, we talk about singing unto the Lord a new song, the, the idea is as, as God is working in the world, right, as he is doing things, 
We are, we are constantly seeing what he does, what he works out, and it, it may be that we're actually composing new music and new, new words and new melodies and putting them together and rejoicing at what God has done. You know, sometimes um, a new work demands a new song, right? A new thing demands something new to reflect upon it. And, and that is um, a, a recognition here of, of having this, this new song in your heart. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Why? For he hath done marvelous things. This is God's working here. God did the work. He did the marvelous things. This, this uh, language here, when God is referred to as doing marvelous things, it, it is talking about his supernatural influence in the world and in, in carrying something out. And, and in this case, it is very specific in regard to the type of, of thing he has done because we, we get that information in the rest of the verse. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. What happened? He, he won, right? Now, that shouldn't be a surprise that God won, right? He, he always wins, and, and we sing a song that, that denotes that. that. That shouldn't be a surprise, but... When God wins, when he gets the victory, when the battle is going on, and we have the privilege of seeing that in our lives, boy, I don't know how to describe it. It's just something that, that is, is special personally, right? It, and uh, I mean, we, we can stand in awe of who God is, and he always wins, and he always gets the victory, and he's always great, and he's always overall. And that's wonderful, right? We, we can worship from afar. But when God gets the victory and it affects us personally, and what happens? We, we, we break out in song, right? We, we, uh, we, we start singing unto the Lord a, a new song because of what has taken place. And I, and I think for, for most folks, we have, we have seen those moments in our lives where we have seen something that God has done as he brought about the victory. Now, the, the question here, of course, is, is um, what is this a victory? And, and your, your Bible in front of you may have the word salvation there. Right? This, is a, this is a word that, that has the idea of if, if there is someone who, who has a need, God meets that need and overcomes it. It's something that can be brought. It could be a military victory. It could be a military battle. It could be uh, somebody who gets saved, right, who, the actual salvation. It could be somebody being pulled out of a situation, and it's salvation for their body. Maybe they're surrounded around. And, and it's a word that has a very broad usage. And, and so as we, as we talk about this word, it, it leaves open... Uh, a lot of situations that this could apply to. But the end of it, uh, the idea is simple. God takes us from a tough spot and brings us out of it by his marvelous things that he does through the power of his right, arm, right hand and his holy arm. God works on our behalf and grants the victory. Right? He, he achieves that. So, some have wondered... 
what is this in particular that is being referred to? Well, the, the rest of the psalm, and particularly the next two verses, we're going to see this shift from uh, more general to, to pointing to the concept of salvation and the salvation that God offers. But two, spe- two particular verses uh, give us this idea of, of the Savior and the saving that are taking place and, and this initial victory but ultimately it's consummation as well. And so uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What's that? That's the victory that's offered through Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. And so when we're talking about victory here and we're, and we're, we're thinking about what, what God has done, certainly for us, we think of Christ going back to, to that, that instance, that rescue, that escape. You know, this, this could go back, whether it's, it's uh, salvation from, from Babylon, whether it is salvation in regard to the exile and, and those who were in, in Egypt as God brought them forth. It could re- refer in relationship to salvation in the times of war as God protected his people from invading armies time and time again, and we see that in Scripture. And, and in all of those cases that, that God has done that and he has worked in the past. See, for us now, this is something that God has done, and it's certainly the beginning of that process. And of course, we also know the consummation of this, right? What is yet to come? As we move into Revelation 19:11, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he sat upon him, was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself and he, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Verse 14, now, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture, that's his clothing, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And so we, we know who that is. And so whether we are thinking back to really the, the salvation that was offered through Jesus Christ on the cross or the ultimate consummation of this when Christ returns at his second coming, uh, we, we look forward to that victory that's assured. The, the victory that is promised, the, the ultimate salvation for the people of God. Verse 2 in Psalm 98 goes on. It says the following, The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of, of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. See, this, this salvation that's, that's offered here is described uh, specifically in relationship to to two things right in verse two his righteousness there his righteousness hath he openly showed and and the other um of course factor within that is the uh, the salvation itself right he's made known his salvation and his righteousness has he showed so the two things that are on display here salvation and righteousness from from god and so he he has put them out there um, this is, these are the words that Isaiah uses, the prophets, 
to describe God bringing about his justice and order upon the earth. Right? As he offers his salvation and his righteousness, he, he brings about those things over the earth. And, and this is fulfillment of, this is pointing to the fulfillment of prophecies uh, like those of Isaiah that are, are looking ahead to the second coming of Christ. See, the, the nations um, will be a witness to that. The nations will see it, verse 2, right? He's openly showed it in the sight of the heathen. The idea there being those outside of Israel, right? So, so uh, we're here, the idea is, is nations, it, it simply is. And, and so uh, the, the reference there is you have God's people and then the heathens around them. That was kind of the, the concept. That's why you see it written some times like that. We would probably uh, today more likely just use the word nations there. But the idea is those surrounding Israel and, and we, we know that, that Israel was intended to be a, a light to the world. Going back all the way to the Abrahamic covenant, the idea was that Israel would be a light to those surrounding nations. And often that came through God working himself within his people uh, for others to see. Uh, sometimes that was God's blessing on Israel. And we think about the, the time of uh, Solomon and all of the riches and everything that were there. And all of the, the nations around saw those riches and wondered at Israel's God. Sometimes it comes through military victory. How did they win that fight? They shouldn't have won that. Um, and, and people say, well, it must have been their God. And, and so we, we see Israel being a light to the surrounding nations around. In this case... Um, verse 3 goes on and says, He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. He's not forgotten his promises to, to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And so God has once again provided them victory. Right? In the instance, whatever they were facing, whether it was coming back after the Babylonian exile or whatever it was, God provided the victory once again, and those around had, had, were able to see that victory. I love the way um, one commentator put it. He said, Our Lord Jesus is the great warrior who will overcome the rebellious kings and their armies, redeem his people, and judge the entire earth. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Those will see the work of God one day and sing out and rejoice with the new song. Secondly, we sing because of who God is. You know, we, we, we know of his works and the things that he does for us, but sometimes it's just a matter of, of thinking about our wonderful God. This is bringing it back to the he always wins, right? The, the who he is part here in Psalm 98 verse 4 uh, starts that with make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp with the harp and the voice of the psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. This idea here of, of um, what we see of, of making a joyful noise there, uh, the word there is actually uh, to shout. Right? It actually is to shout. It's the same word that appears here in the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 that was fulfilled on Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9, 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, same word, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. 
And, and so we, ha we have this in instruction here. Hey, uh, what, what are they doing that day? They're, they're shouting, right? Uh, shout Hosanna, right? We, we uh, think of that, that song. And, and so they were crying out to Jesus. And, and so here is that same instruction here in verse, verse 4. Make a joyful new noise. Shout out joyfully unto the Lord all the earth. Cry out to him. Make a loud noise. Rejoice and sing praise. It, it, it literally is the idea of, of breaking forth in song. Just, it, like it, it just erupts out of you is the, the, the concept there. And, and so this, this joy gives us this, this reminder of, of what God would have us to do in response to his wonderful works. You know, you, you read things like this, and you, do you ever ask the question in your mind, are, are we just kind of too stoic? You know what I mean, are we too stoic? I, I know that's kind of like a popular thing to ask these days, <laughs> you know, because uh, you say, are we too stoic, and then you get, try to get people to jump up and down or whatever. <laughs> that's not the goal here, right? That's not, not what I'm, I'm trying to say. But, but, but in all seriousness, are we, are, we, are we too stoic in the sense, are, are we truly experiencing, in light of who our God is, this desire to, to make a joyful noise, to shout out unto the Lord in joy, to, to make a loud noise and rejoice, to sing praises to him, to sing unto the Lord, and then you add in all the music, the harp, the voice of the psalm, the trumpets, the sound of the cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Because I, I, I will be honest, and I'm not necessarily talking about within a church service per se, but just in life in general. Is, is your life overflowing with joy because of who God is? Are you looking for the victories? Are you looking for his handiwork? And then when you see God working in lives and hearts, is it just commonplace? Oh yeah, he's God, that's what he's supposed to do, that's his job. Right? Or, or is, it, is it something that, that excites you? Is it something that brings joy as you see your God working? Be, because when I read Psalms like this, it, it sounds like they're kind of excited here, right? It, it, my guess would be that you see this on the outside, right? That it's not just inside. And, and so when we, when we have these examples, it does cause me to wonder, you know, if I, am I just a little bit too reserved here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or am, am I unfeeling? Am I unemotional? And, and, I, and I think it's reasonable to ask those questions. Now, I am not suggesting that we all need to somehow get around each other and try to pump each other up and try to boost our emotional output this morning, right? I, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that we need to like, get a hype man up here and, you know, somebody to holler out, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you know, I'm not suggesting that. I don't think the problem is so much that our emotions have stopped working, right? I, I think they work just fine. I think the problem is on the other side and that our hearts are cold to the working of the Lord. 
I, I, I think that's true for me. I think too often I ignore his working and his handiwork. Too often I just treat it as commonplace. But when God works, when, when the creator of the universe works, when the, the one, going back to Sunday school, the one who judged the world with a flood works, when, when he is active and we see his handiwork, whether it's in the salvation of a soul or, or God granting insight into his word and life changes for his glory or whatever it is, those things are worthy of our celebration. Not for their sakes, not, for, not to boost ourselves, but to, to worship our God, to celebrate him, to praise him, to lift up his name. You know, as we think about this time together, as we, as we sing these songs, so, some have, have actually called this section here the victory song of mankind, right? Where we, we just sing out at the victories of God. We rejoice at his working. And, and so it, it's a, a joyful celebration uh, of our God who, who is as... Verse 6 is there, the Lord, the King. Right? As we just rejoice and sing songs about our King. We do this kind of thing with our country, right? Once a year, you know, the 4th of July, we sing all the patriotic songs and whatever. We get together and have fireworks. People get outside and they shout and cheer and all this stuff. We, 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 we know the concept, I think. I don't think it's totally foreign to us. But, but here we're talking about our king. The, the one who is truly worthy of all the praise. The one who truly should be the only recipient of our worship. And so we, we have all of these examples and different, different um, instruments that are laid out before us here, whether we're talking about uh, what's shown on there at the bottom, the harp, right, the, the, um, the voice of a psalm, the trumpets, and then the cornet, that's another horn there. But all of it making loud noise unto the Lord. All of this is, is in reference to, to not just the victories of the past, but this Lord, the King, who will work out victory yet in the future, right? The ultimate consummation. And one of the commentators said it this way, and I, I just, I, I thought it was, just captured the essence of what's going on here. He said, the psalms we sing now are a rehearsal. And God's presence among his worshipers is a prelude to his appearing to the world. You, you, you want to have something to sing about? Just wait when God judges the world righteously, right? When he delivers righteous judgment, when, when he truly does uh, what, what we look forward to. And in verse 2, he, he is displaying his righteousness before others. When, when he truly will uh, put before others, uh, the, the mercy that will be on display. But ultimately, we see that consummation 
displayed in verse 9 in regard to we sing because of what God will do. Verse 7 says this way, Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the, the world and, and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together. Verse 9, Before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. You know, we, we sing and we participate in this rehearsal today because of what is still to come. We're right to think about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is, without a doubt, the core of Christianity, the gospel message itself, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. It, 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 is, it is central. But it's not the end. It's not the end. See, ultimately, there will be a final consummation. There will, there will ultimately be God bringing about the end. He, he, will, he will take the wrongs and make them right. What, what is here today will be recreated the idea and God will work that out verse 7 as we see that there letting the sea roar fullness of there the world they that dwell within so not only is the world itself I mean not only is the ocean itself uh, singing out not only is it roaring here but they that dwell therein are also roaring crying out and Part of that roar that you hear is when Rick gets up out of a chair. Right? Your back hurts. Some of you know that feeling. I know that feeling. Some of that is a, a, a groan that comes out. The, the, the seas are experiencing that, this groaning. It's not, all not the way it should be. It's all not the way it was intended to be in the beginning. And, and so, so the, the, the seas will groan. The, the floods, the, 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 the waters, they'll, they'll clap their hands. It's not working like it should be. Let the hills be joyful together. Why? Because of what's to come. See, all of this nature that's under the curse, all of the world around us that experiences the curse, and, and everything that has come from it, the toil of the earth, the changes in animals and creatures, and, and, and the list can go on and on, right? The stings, the bees, the poison ivy, <laughs> you go down the list, right? And the gnats, don't forget the gnats, annoying little things. But all of that stuff, right, that, that we don't like, all the stuff that we experience because of the curse, all of the groaning and the pain, all of the stuff that has happened to the earth in regard to its geography and all of the various things because of what has happened, the volcanoes, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, 
all of that, the Lord uh, is, is, is crying out and groaning for the day when God will make it all anew, when it will be recreated. Romans eight nineteen speaks to this. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We long for that final consummation, right? We long for that final day when we ultimately will be glorified and with the Lord when, when we no longer have to uh, be subjected to the pains of this earth and the, the trials of it. When, when death has truly lost its sting, when, when there is no more death and tears and sorrow, when all of that goes away. We have a... Um, we have a friend in our chorus today as we sing these songs, and that's the nature all around us. As, as nature and the world itself groans out, crying under, um, under the fact that it, it is in bondage to corruption. In fact, verse 22 said, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth till now. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. I don't know that I necessarily have. You know, the, you know, we get hurricanes here, you know, every now and then and stuff, you know, sometimes worse than others, but, and it, and it comes through. You ever think, wow, that's the creation groaning. It's, it's groaning in, in the pains of childbirth until, it, it is groaning as a result of sin. And, and there is its groan. And just like me, when I get up out of the chair and I groan, that's nature doing that as well. And we're, we're in the chorus together, longing for the day when joyfully we will sing out when God brings about his final consummation. You ever experienced an earthquake? Anybody ever actually felt the ground shake? A couple, couple of you have, yeah. I felt it once. I was laid back in a recliner. You know how the recliners jerk a little bit? And it got going. I was just in the right spot, and it was, whoa. But no one else, I mean, people around me, they didn't even hardly feel it. But it just happened to be where I was sitting, you know? And uh, it's a weird feeling. But what is that? That is creation groaning under the pains of sin. That's what's going on. So what do we have that we look forward to? Well, that's what verse 9 is talking about here. We have to look forward to the fact, as verse 9 puts it, for he cometh, he comes. 
you know, what we have to look forward to is that Jesus is coming again. That's what we have to look forward to. We have to look forward to the day when, when he will come and he will judge. And when he judges, he will judge with righteousness. And, and he will judge the world. He will judge the world with equity. In other words, his, his scales will be right, right? They will be, they will be fair. They, they haven't been tilted one way or the other. He, he will not come as a respecter of persons. He will not come saying, oh, I like your car, you're in. It's not going to work like that, right? It's not, it's not going to be, oh, I, I actually saw this thing on the Internet. This is, might be a good tip, but it's lying, but don't do it. So, um, but, but it talked about setting up, you know, uh, when you get an airline ticket, if you want to have a chance of getting bumped up, instead of putting Mr., put Dr., <laughs> you know, on your ticket, because they don't really care what the, the title is, and then you're more likely to get bumped up. That's what it actually said. I saw that on the, on the internet this week. Uh, so I hope I didn't just tempt you to lie. But, uh, but anyway, but I thought, man, that is kind of a, you know, if you want to get ahead, that's, that's probably smart. Uh, so anyway, but with that, I mean, the, the idea being, okay, the, the airlines may look at the doctor. You know, they, they may look at, at if it's doctor or not. I can, I can actually put reverend, and it wouldn't be lying. But I've never done that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you, you, could, you, you think about it. The, the airlines are respecters of persons in regard to seating assignments. They're respecters of persons in regard to what you're wearing and whether or not you get bumped up to first class when there's an open seat or, or bumped up, although they don't do that as much anymore. But, but, but they are respecters of persons. They pay attention to, to these things. God will judge fairly and with equity. Now, all of this um, perfect judgment of God, we, we have to look forward to. And we certainly should be people who are singing out these songs. And one of the things I wanted to share with you this morning is perhaps a song that you all know but haven't thought about coming from Psalm 98. It's uh, words written by Isaac Watts. And let's just refresh our minds again about Psalm 98 and the text. And uh, Psalm 98, I'm going to read it. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world, and the people with equity. Song written by Isaac Watts and uh, Rick. I'm going to have you already come up this way, if you will, sir. Uh, Rick, if you come up this way, because in just a moment we're going to sing it.
But if you want to grab your hymnal in front of you and look at page 95, hymn number 95, so that you can f see the full text. This is a song that we typically sing at Christmas time. And Isaac Watts never intended this to be a Christmas song, I can assure you that. But with this song, um, we do see that there is victory mentioned and salvation given, and certainly we understand how that could be included with the coming of the Messiah. But this is a song that is ultimately about the final consummation that will come at the end as the Lord returns. This truly is that new song in its day referring to this very psalm. Number 95, we're just going to read it and then we're going to sing it. 95, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Hope that you caught all of the references there. Psalm 98, as we just went through that together. We're all going to stand at this time. Rick, if you would come and lead us in this. Yes, let's stand together. 